The Road to Rediscovery is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me ask you something. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, for me growing up, feelings of anxiety, inadequacy, doubt, and even imposter syndrome got in the way uh, of me reaching my goals and reaching my full potential, right? So BetterHelp addresses these and more. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to ever sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and, get this, financial aid is even available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. They mean it. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Road to Rediscovery. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And there's a special offer for our Road to Rediscovery listeners. Get 10% off your first month when you register at BetterHelp.com slash Road to Rediscovery. We're all on this journey of life together. And it sure feels good to know professional help is within our reach with BetterHelp. Again, that's Better H-E-L-P. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on The Road to Rediscovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons for learning and growth, and of course, pay it forward, take it to the next level, and help others who are struggling through dark times. Now, as you know, we are passionate about giving you quality content in every episode for your, for your own personal development. If you like what you hear on the show and would like to support, just visit roadtorediscovery.com slash donate. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash donate. We'll even give you a personal shout out in, in a future episode. And as always, there's no obligation. We are truly, truly grateful for your listenership. So here's a question. How ready for the world are we really after graduating from high school or college? Not only does the answer depend on who you ask, but it can also vary based on the timing. Think about it. In hindsight, were we as ready as we thought we were at the time of graduation? Learning comes from many different avenues, not just from educational institutions. On our show, we talk a lot about reflecting on life lessons, right? Well, my special guest has spent 20 plus years sharing what's known as Gene's Life Lessons, with scores of clients to help them prepare for the future professionally and personally. With his daughter, Courtney, they have co-authored the book, Grads a Grown-Up, 68 Tips to Excel in Your Personal and Professional Life. Ladies and gentlemen, coming from the city of brotherly love, please give a warm welcome to Mr. Gene Rice. Hey, Gene, how are you, sir? It's so great to have you on the show. 
Aubrey, thank you so much. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like I told you, you know, I, I don't normally get interviewed by a, a host that has a bald head like myself. So I, I, I immediately had a bond and a connection with you. Right? <laughs> no, I, I have no doubt. We are kindred spirits. And you know what? With our conversation, we're just going to go down that rabbit hole and uh, discover more about each other. So uh, I'm right there with you, Gene. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So your daughter, Courtney, is a high school English teacher, right? Correct. Okay. So I was thinking, you know, before we started this conversation, I, I was thinking with her on the academic side, covering the academic side, and you with your very, very um, extensive um, adult executive recruiting side, uh, Combined, both of you seem to be like a dynamic duo for co-authoring this grad to grown-up book. You're covering all the bases on the academic side and the professional side. So uh, what inspired you and Courtney to write the book? You know, it was funny. First of all, uh, this was a goal of mine for a long time based on the internship program that I had every summer in my company for the last 25 plus years, Aubrey, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but at best, I'm an average writer. Right. I'm a strong communicator and uh, all the chapters were uh, recorded. Courtney is a phenomenal writer, phenomenal mm -hmm. writer. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of COVID, she had her first child, uh, my fourth grandchild, and mm -hmm. she decided to take a year off. So for the first time, we had time to collaborate together and to write the book together. And what's great about the book is that ch each chapter is, you know, my, you know, my words. And then there's, old, there's a Courtney comment at the end, Aubrey. Mm -hmm. So sometimes she's giving me a hard time. Sometimes she's keeping me honest. Sometimes she's <laughs> pulling me out, you know, yeah. but, but it was a great experience. And it, 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 it made the book even that much more rewarding to myself. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So when you have these conversations with, uh, with these, uh, these uh, soon to be graduates or recent graduates, um, what are some of the, are there any common misconceptions that, that, that graduates uh, have as they're, as they're uh, leaving one chapter of their life going into the next chapter? You know, Orby, the one thing that I was really frustrated around, right? Mm -hmm. You would ask these really bright college students, I would ask them, why are you going into law? Or why are you becoming an engineer? Or why mm -hmm. are you becoming an accountant, right? Mm -hmm. And if you really peel the onion back, someone influential in their lives, Aubrey, right, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, kind of directed them in a certain path, right? And mm -hmm. most of them were directed because they felt that if I'm able to get a job in that career, right, that I can make a good living, right? Mm -hmm. The things that really surprised me is, number one, so many of them had no experience in that career. So they were going to graduate from college with college loans, right? right. $1.6 trillion in college loans in our country, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Every one of these young, smart, bright college students had college loans, Aubrey. They all knew exactly how much they borrowed. They all knew they had to start paying it back after six months. Right. But none of them could tell me exactly how much they were going to have to pay back on a monthly basis and for how long. Because they don't figure that out until they graduate. Right. 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 So the thing that surprised me is how many of them came back to me after pursuing certain careers and absolutely hated what they were doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Give you an mm -hmm. example. A couple of a couple of 
a couple I knew very well, went to law school, went to two of the best law schools in America. One went to NYU and one went to Boston College. Mm -hmm. They both graduated in the top 25% of their class. They both came out and got very big jobs at very big law firms. Within a couple of years, they hated what they did every day, right? They mm -hmm. had absolutely no exposure to what being a lawyer was all about, right? So the first thing I want to help your audience understand is it's critical that if you feel that you're going to head in a certain career path, right, that you have some exposure and experience before you start doing it for a living. And mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Courtney, right? Now, Courtney, my daughter, mm -hmm. a high school English teacher. She graduated from Lehigh, Aubrey, with a dual degree in English and economics. At Lehigh, if you graduated with a 3.7 five GPA or higher, they would pay for you to stay and get your master's, which she did. Mm. She thought she wanted to be a lawyer. Now, I have had <laughs> such hands-on experience. Now, listen, I, I know there's some people that love being a lawyer, right? But mm -hmm. I said to my daughter, I said, Courtney, before you go to school for another three years, why don't we see if we can get you a free internship with a small boutique law firm locally who will expose you to what being a lawyer is all about, Aubrey. Right. So she went around, she, she made calls, she sent emails, and a small boutique law firm took her in. And the partner exposed her to everything involved with being a lawyer, the administrative piece, the research piece. He took her into the courtroom multiple times that summer. Well, when that summer was over, she came to me. She said, Dad, I do not want to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she said, I've always had a passion for being a teacher, but I didn't think that was going to be something people would respect, right? Mm. All, all the kids I went to college with were going into these high-paying careers. And I said, listen, Courtney, I am so happy and I am so pleased that you've, you, know, you found something. And, and I, I'll tell you, she's been doing it now for nine years. When yeah. she's in that classroom, Aubrey, she is so happy. I had and I had a chance to be exposed to some of her students. You know, we went into the town she was teaching in, into the uh, Wawa in that town to get a sandwich. And I guess four or five of the kids working there, she had taught and how they reacted to her and mm -hmm. and the pride they had. And I said, you know, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. Right. So I believe to answer your original question. That one of the goals in life, not just for young adults, but for everyone, is to find something that you sincerely love doing, that gives you purpose, mm -hmm. and then figuring out a way to make a living doing it. Because mm -hmm. my own personal experience, Aubrey, if you can find that, you don't wake up going to work every day. You don't wake up going to a job. You wake up going to something you love. Your personal relationships are better. Your personal health is better. The glass isn't half full. It can be overflowing. So that's one of the things that surprised me about these young people is they were going into careers and they didn't really know what was involved with it. So uh, I encourage, I, I really encourage people to get their arms around it. And in the book, Grad to Grown Up, that we wrote, a lot of them have things they're passionate about, Aubrey, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they don't have any idea how to get a job doing it, right? Well, we give them a roadmap in the book. We tell them exactly how to do it. We tell them exactly how to go about it. Not only how to get interviews, but once they get an interview, how to win the job, right? So yeah, I hope, yeah. hopefully that, that answered your original question.
No, it certainly does, Gene, and and I really appreciate that, man. You know, um, uh, you're you're absolutely right, uh, and and I've I've subscribed to this mindset for many years. You know, finding something that you love, you absolutely love, and and just just coming up with a way to make a living out of it. Right? Uh, it doesn't feel like I'm going to work every day. You know, it, it feels like. I don't know, just something I, I enjoy doing, a professional hobby or something, you know, uh, that's what it feels like to me, at least. So uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And and the roadmap that you mentioned in the book, right, yeah. um, that kind of segues into my next question. Um, I wanted to know, uh, what would you say to graduates is the first order of business that a recent grad should do to position him or him, him or herself for a, uh, for a successful transition to the adult working environment? Um, is it buy a house? Is it buy a car? You get a credit card, <laughs> or you know? Well, I, and I think you kind of answered it, but uh, I, I didn't know if your if your roadmap uh, suggests otherwise or something else. But what would be that first order of business that you would recommend they do? Well, here's the first thing that I suggest to them, right? And this is what they're not teaching them in, in, you know, on the campuses, Aubrey, right? Mm -hmm. If, you know, if you happen to be graduating from a college in the U.S. right now, and if you're one of those lucky ones that take the time to go to the career center, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing the best job they can, but mm -hmm. they prepare all the exact same way on how to interview, right? Right. So when you go out there and you're interviewing for that job you found that you really want, you're interviewing against a bunch of other young adults that are interviewing the exact same way that you are. Yeah. I believe the other skill that not only young adults need to develop in their lives, right, but also anyone in their career, right, is, you know, I, I call it in, a, in science, it's called a Nobel Prize winner. If you're an Olympian, it's called a gold medalist. I call yeah. it a grandmaster. So if you're a chess player, a grandmaster, mm -hmm. I want I want everyone to become a grandmaster of interviewing, Aubrey. Right. Yes. They don't know how to professionally interview. And why is that so critical? A couple of reasons. Number one, when you find that job you really want and you're interviewing against four or other five candidates, the grandmaster who really knows how to professionally interview. He gets the offer. And not only does he get the offer he gets a better compensation package. Mm. So one of the things I share in Grad the Grown Up is we walk them through the five steps of becoming a grandmaster. We break it down for them from step one, two, three, four, and five. And if they're able to get their arms around this, not only will they do extremely well in every interview, you know, they're not going to get every job, but they're going to understand, you know, why they didn't, right? So that's, right. The, that's the first thing because... That's going to determine the job you get and the compensation you get. Okay. Right. right. Now, what Grad the Grown Up also goes into a whole section on personal finance. What used to really <laughs> surprise me, Aubrey, this is this was the one Gene's life lesson that I enjoyed the most every summer <laughs> with the kids. Yeah. Is I'd say to all these young young adults, right? These are bright kids. How many of you, when you graduate, want to live on your own, right? And, and their hands would all immediately jump up, right? Right, right. And in the Philadelphia area, they all want to live either in Center City, Philadelphia, or this other really cool area called Maniac, right? Mm -hmm. I said, great. 
let's figure out what it's going to cost for you to live on your own. So you understand what kind of job you have to get and what it has to pay for you to live at home and not have to live with your parents. So do you want a roommate or don't you want a roommate? Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. All right. You know, they, they would all want one roommate. Yeah. Do you understand what a two bedroom apartment in Philadelphia is going to cost? They would have no idea. Right. right. Uh, do you understand what utilities are? Right. Yeah. <laughs> now you're going to be living in Philadelphia. Are you going to be, uh, commuting to work or do you need to put a car okay if you need a car do you know what it's going to cost to pay for parking on a monthly basis okay do you need cable television of course we need table what, how, <laughs> right. many, how many channels do you need right, <laughs> right. <laughs> are you uh, are you okay eating all your meals at home or do you want to be able to go out to, you know for dinner once or twice a week okay let's figure that out all right do you understand uh you know Everything from your health insurance, what it's going to cost. You know, you're going to pay for your cell phone now, right? So how much is your cell phone going to cost? You're going to have to contribute to your health benefits. And then we would take them through this and their eyes would be bulging, Aubrey. And I say, okay, so this is how much you have to be paid in your first job. And then I say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot to talk about taxes and the, <laughs> the impact of taxes all right <laughs> so you have a federal tax you have a state tax you're gonna be living in philadelphia there's a city wage tax all right mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. something called social security that you're gonna have to pay for and at the end of it right they had no clue and i would say to them listen all if you got anything out of this lesson the only thing i ask of you is when you go home tonight I want you to give your mom or dad a giant hug because they've been paying for this up, up until this point. And I had one father who ran into me in a supermarket and came up to me and goes, I just want to tell you, he came home and gave me a hug. I love that, <laughs> I love that life lesson. Right? Yes. So that's one of the things I would suggest is understand, understand what it's going to cost, right? That's understand right. what's involved with that, right? Yeah. They have no clue on a credit score, right? They have no mm. understanding on how you get a credit score. You know, right, right. I'll, I'll give you, I talk, you know, I, I talk in the book, there's a chapter, Aubrey, you know, my daughter-in-law went to the University of Maryland and then she went and she got her master's in speech pathology. Mm -hmm. Well, she graduates from her master's degree. She's starting her job in two weeks, right? Real, mm -hmm. With a really nice uh, salary in a really good school district. She had to go and get a new car and she goes and not one car dealership or one bank would give her a loan for the car without her father co-signing. Mm. She had absolutely no credit. Now, why did she have no credit? She lived for two years in an apartment at the University of Maryland with three with three friends. Right. But you know what? One friend was paying the rent. Another friend was paying the utilities. All she did was give them cash at the first of every month. Right. She didn't establish any credit. Mm, right? I see. Yeah. She had no credit. She had no credit card. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So I, I talk about, first of all, how you establish credit in the book. If you have a bad credit score, how do you fix it? They have no clue what the credit score is based on. So we break that down for them. Right. Mm -hmm. We show mm -hmm. them what that's all about. We talk There's a chapter on credit cards. Right. There's a chapter on investing. You know, like, you know, if your audience 
If they go to the website, gradtogrownup.com, G-R-A-D-T-O, grownup.com, they can download some free chapters from the book. But one of the chapters in the book is, you know, I would tell and talk to the interns every summer about when you get that first job, your company's going to have a 401k plan, right? And if you ask them, do you know what that is? And do you know why it's so important to invest in it immediately? They would have no idea. And they all feel like, wait a second, you know, I'm young. I don't need to invest in a retirement plan, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I show them that most companies will give you at least a 25% match on a dollar, Aubrey, right? Right. And if they're able to take $96 a week out of their paycheck with the company match, and I tell them exactly how to invest it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no thinking about it, right? I take them through, just put it in the S&P index 500, leave it alone over the last 90 years, it's averaged 11.4% that if you start your job in 30 years, when you're 52, you can retire as a multi multi millionaire, you'll have over $3.2 million if you just follow this simple plan. Mm. And most of them won't even take the time, you know, they weren't thinking about investing in a 401k. And it's so important that they start right away. You know? Yes. So, there's all different things in the book, all different tips, but uh, those are just some of the things that if you're asking me what advice I'd give to them, those are some of the things off the top of my mind, Aubrey. Oh, great. No, that's great advice. Great advice for sure. And uh, grantsagrownup.com where uh, the listeners can download uh, a chapter for free uh, to, to, to read those insights that you share um, is, is, is really tremendous. So, so thank you for that, Gene. Now, um, as you mentioned earlier, with um, with uh, teaching and advising these uh, these grads to obtain the skills to to interview, right, uh, in a professional setting, in a professional environment, uh, and 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 to be that grand master, as you say. Uh, to where you stand out from all the others in uh, in in these interviews, you know uh, it, it's good to have that skill. But for someone who is graduating but considering, and I use this term loosely because, um, just for context, in today's day and age, I just quite frankly feel that this term is is overused and that term is entrepreneur and so um for those uh, for those uh, students of the generation now where they hear that word tossed around a lot and that's their aspiration you know um i would think it'd be equally important to to have those interview skills um at least at an interpersonal level um what are your thoughts on that for that particular uh, uh, young, young grad. Well, let's, let, let, let's take reality, right? Aubrey, first yeah. of all, if that young person's thinking of starting his own business, Hey, congratulations. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. However, you're right. The same skills in interviewing. What is that young person going to have to do? I've had a couple of young people in the last year reach out to me because I will invest, you know, uh, you know, especially in, in a young person who has an idea that I really believe in. Mm -hmm. The first thing which amazes me is if you're a young person and you're reaching out for some angel funding or, you know, venture funding, yeah, you have to realize and you have to understand how to put a real business plan in place. Right. Like someone would reach out to me and I say, okay, send me the business plan. Right. Right. And, what, and what's involved with that? I mean, you know, so that's the first thing. 
And that business plan, you have to be able to outline, okay, here's what this industry is all about. Here's the major players. Here's why my idea and my company can become successful. Here's what I'm willing to invest. And you need to do all the data, right? Right. And then as a young person, you're going to go out unless you're going to self-fund it, right? Uh, You're going to have to go out and raise capital. So you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to sell yourself. Because what they're buying is you, right? Right. So those same skills that you use to be a grandmaster of interviewing, those are the same skills that are transferable if you want to start your own business, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what I will tell a young person, right? And this is one of the things, you know, that, you know, I, I try to really hit home with the interns and the young people that I mentor is that there's no elevator to success, Aubrey, right? right. You got to take the stairs, hundred percent. Yeah. And what does that mean? That means you got to put the time in, you got to be willing to commit, right? Yeah. No one's going to hand you success. No. You're going to have to really commit and they have to understand what that commitment means. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have to understand that if they're going to go into their own business, you don't want to go into a business underfinanced, right? right? You have to really cross every T and dot every I Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But listen, but if you're passionate about something and you know that this will give you purpose in your life. Listen, I'm a champion of supporting those people, but I just want them to do their homework and I want them to be prepared for what's to come. No, that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. And um, it kind of touches on a point you made earlier, Gene, when it comes to uh, uh, someone who uh, is graduating and they went to school for all these years for this particular profession, and then they get into the profession and realize they don't like it. Um, is there some sort of management trainee program, right, that they can get in or a free internship, like the example you had with your daughter, um, you know, to, to where you can get that exposure, get that experience. Where I work, we call it the five E's, or I'm sorry, the three E's, education, exposure, and experience, right? And so um, there's a whole percentage rule behind that and stuff. But anyhow, the uh, the exposure, um, you already have the education, but the exposure and the experience really helps you make a holistic, uh, uh, informed decision on whether or not you want to you move forward with that. Now, I'm, I'm saying that because I believe on the business owner or aspiring business owner's side, depending on what the nature of work that business is or idea, um, could there be a potential opportunity for this aspiring business owner to maybe um, maybe seek employment at a company that's doing something similar to what they aspire to do so they can learn a lot more intricacies of the business that they may not have even anticipated? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing I'm, I want to share with you, Aubrey, which I don't know if your audience knows, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been in the executive search industry for 30 years. Before that, I was in corporate America for a division of an international Fortune 100 firm where I was promoted five times in seven years. My last position heading up East Coast operations for a division of Alcatel. Right. Yeah. Uh, I went into executive search for one reason and one reason only. I was making well into six figures way back, you know, uh, (laughs) a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, But I was looking for work life balance. I was never home. Right. I was never home. What I want to tell you is I've placed myself personally 
over 1,000 C-level executives in jobs. Mm. So many CEOs, right? Yeah. And I yeah. want you to know that the ones who add the most value to their company and mm -hmm. to their staff are the ones who have purpose in their lives. It's not just a job, right? Right, right. You know, there was a survey done recently of 2,000 male executives that were between the age of 50 and 60. 51% of them said they did not have any job satisfaction. Mm. Right, Aubrey? Mm -hmm. how, how sad is that? Right? Very. How sad is that? Because they're, they're doing something in their life and their monthly expenses increase and they can't see, they have children, they can't see the opportunity maybe to take a chance. So with young people, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say to them, okay, I want them to do whatever they can to give themselves exposure to something they're passionate about, to see if they can figure out how to make a living doing it. Right. I want them to go out and have experience in a field that they're willing to commit their lives to before they do it, right? Right. Right. And I told you about Courtney with her experience. I'm going to tell you about my son. My son came out of Maryland and mm -hmm. he had a real interest in the financial services industry. Okay. He mm -hmm. went and the same thing. He found a small boutique financial services firm that would bring him in for free. They didn't pay him, mm -hmm. but they exposed them to everything. Mm -hmm. It was an RI, it was an RIA firm, right? He drove an hour and 15 minutes each way one summer. Wow. I actually split with him. I said, I'll split the gas with you. Now, what happened out of that? He didn't get paid. But the next year, he applied for Vanguard hires a thousand kids off the campuses every year, Aubrey. But they mm -hmm. hire 20 kids, global kids, in what they call their high potential program. Right, this is right. the best of the best. And they're coming from all over the world. He was the first student hired from the University of Maryland in this in this program. He never would have gotten hired in this program if he didn't do the free internship. Now, his free internship said to him, I love this. I want to do this. This is where I see myself. Right. 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 And that's what he did. So I want to tell you, young audience, not to be afraid to reach out to senior people mm -hmm. and ask for help and ask for guidance. Because let me share with you. I happen to be on a, a number of these, what they call top executive recruiter lists in the world, right? So as a result, I would get between 80 and 120 resumes a week, right? Right. When I tell you, I couldn't even read them. But me, meanwhile, if I could help one out of 100, it was <laughs> a lot. Because what people don't realize is in the executive retained industry, you specialize in a vertical market. My firm was the largest executive search firm placing senior people in the management consulting industry, right? Mm -hmm. So we did senior partners at McKinsey, senior partners at KPMG, the CEO of Mercer Consulting, right? So you could send me a resume and you could be the best CEO from the best consumer products company in the world. Say you're coming from Procter & Gamble. I can't help you. That's not a world that I play in. Yeah, yeah. But a couple of times a year, Aubrey, I would get an email from a young person. And the email would say, I am passionate about the executive search or the human resource industry. I've done some research. I know you're a thought leader. 
would you be willing to spend a few minutes with me and give me some guidance? Now, mm -hmm. Aubrey, I want to tell you, I would always schedule a call with that young person. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you, I think most senior executives would do the exact same thing. I know for a fact they would, because I've asked my clients if they would, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. A lot of young people are afraid to, to reach out. And I can give you so many stories of young people I've mentored that not only would, you know, got calls with these senior people, but ended up getting jobs as a result of the call. Right. Yeah. Now you have to know what to say on that call. You want to, you know, introduce yourself, tell them why you're passionate, tell them what you're looking for, be prepared to ask questions to them, know how to end it, ask for advice, ask for guidance, ask the network, you know, so you have to know how to handle that. And in the book, Grad the Grown Up, is a chapter on how we tell them how to handle that. Right. But I want your audience not to be afraid to reach out to some senior person in a field that they think they could be passionate about because they're afraid that the person might not respond. Mm. I promise them a 90% plus will respond if for no other reason, Aubrey, because that senior executive would want someone to do it for their family member, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent, you know? So, so that message is heard loud and clear. So you heard it here first listeners for those of you who are soon to be graduating or recently graduated, uh, please don't be shy and reach out to those senior, uh, uh, uh mentor, mentor figures, um, that, that you may be hoping to, 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 to connect with, um, take the initiative and connect with them and ask the questions. Um, because, you know, um, 90 plus percent, as Gene mentioned, um, are willing to help or will put the time in if you have a genuine, authentic interest in, uh, in that career path. So, Gene, thank you for sharing that so much. Um, that is heard loud and clear. And uh, thank you for the uh, true life example you uh, mentioned with your son and getting um, part of that Vanguard High Potential uh, um, program for like worldwide. I mean, that is absolutely tremendous. The first one ever out of Maryland yep. to, to be selected to that. I mean, you know, a huge con congratulations to him as well, man. I mean, uh, like you said, it's hard. It's, it's not quite likely he may have obtained that had he not done that free internship. Oh, he knows he wouldn't have. Now I will yeah. tell you, uh, he was there and he was doing phenomenal, but I made a decision. I really wanted him in my company, right? So <laughs> mm -hmm. I went and recruited him and I made him an offer. He couldn't refuse, Aubrey. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> and now, he's, now he's a partner in my firm and he's doing phenomenal, right? Oh, phenomenal. That, man, that's fantastic. No, that, that, that's, I mean, again, that just speaks volumes of, of the character and the work ethic your son has. And, and I wanted to ask you this uh, regarding, you know, these, um, these young graduates, they are um, um, they're they are of a different generation, right? And um, they're what is expected of of employees in the workplace today is a lot different than uh, early in my career, maybe early in your career, you know. And uh, and and so. Um, there's also there's also the thing when it comes to youth, at least I don't want to 
generally, you know, generalize anything, but for, for young people, forethought is a challenge. <laughs> and for young people, instant gratification is the go-to. <laughs> and so I would like to know, you know, what has been your gauge in terms of, you know, the, the, the many different youths that you've uh, connected with and interacted with? Um, are, are Do they have the mental mindset for going the long haul, putting in the work, not expecting a promotion in six months, you know, and, and, and really, really using, you know, using that time for heads down work, focus, motivation, and not just looking for the next raise or the next promotion. Um, what has it been like um, in, in, with your experience with the youth in those areas? You know, when I counsel the youth, right, the ones I mentor, mm -hmm. Because the best and the brightest, even if you're the best and the brightest, right? You're going to come out in that first job, Aubrey. You're going to be working in a financial services industry. You're going to be working with a Fortune 1000. And you know what? There's going to be 20 others just like you. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's going to happen? A couple of those 20 are going to evolve. Mm -hmm. They're going to emerge as the future leaders, right? Mm -hmm. Now, to answer your question, what are those couple doing differently? Okay. Let me tell you. And this is what I, this is what I counsel. You get into that setting. First of all, show up. Don't take the elevator, take the stairs. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Be there early, be there late, put the time in. Right. Build relationships, become a teammate that people want to work with. Yes. Okay? And in the book, we break down what, you know, what that means. Now, here's the other thing that young people don't understand especially in the bigger companies, Aubrey. Mm -hmm. If you go back and you look at those 20 bright, best and brightest, the ones that are evolving have gone out of their way to create relationships and build relationships with mentors within those firms. And as those mentors progress, they take that young, best and brightest with them, okay? Yeah. The relationship skills are critical, okay? and understanding who to align with, right? Because right. the person you align with and the person that you get connected with and the person who's gonna take you under their wing, right? Mm -hmm. That can impact your career dramatically one way or the other, right? Yes, sir. Now, I'm gonna share with you three things that I would always tell that young adult. I said, as you're out there interviewing, there's three things that I want you to look for before you accept a role with a company. These are the three things I've identified in all my experience in executive search, Aubrey, that makes for a good short-term fit and a, but more importantly, a good long-term fit between a candidate and a company. Mm -hmm. Young adult or even a senior person, if you're going to join a firm, you should feel that you could, by joining them, that you can make a contribution. You can add value. You should understand in what way you feel coming in that you can do that. Okay? Right. Secondly, and equally as important, okay, a year down the road, and I don't care if you're a young adult or a senior executive, a year down the road of joining a new firm, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, as a result of me joining this company, I've grown professionally in these ways. You have to, the company has to allow you to grow equally to how much you're adding value, okay? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. especially for a young adults. That growing is critical. Now, the mm -hmm. third thing, and this is where a young, a lot of young people, they miss it. And the first two things can be there, Audrey. But if the third, if the third reason is not there, I counsel very strongly not to take the role. The person that you're going to be reporting to directly, as well as the people you're going to be rubbing shoulders with closely, you should not only respect them, but you should like them enough personally that if you had to go out and break bread with them, Audrey, it wouldn't be something you would dread doing. If you don't like your immediate boss, and if you don't like the people you're working closely with, no matter how much value you're adding, no matter how much you're growing professionally, you're going to be very unhappy very fast and you're going to leave. I, I encourage the young people before accepting the job to do whatever they need to do to get their arms around. Is this the type of boss that I'm going to enjoy working with, enjoy being coached by and coached being mentored by? Right. right. It's it's really, really important. Hmm. Gotcha. No, makes a lot of sense. It truly is important. And, uh, you know, people say that there's our work life, there's our personal life, there's, you know, um, our hobbies, our book club life <laughs> and all these different like uh, segments of of us. But, you know we're one whole person. And, and, and I, I guess I'm saying that to say that uh, anything that is of discomfort to you in the workplace um, to the point to where you, you can't break bread with that coworker, or you are having difficulty uh, seeing eye to eye with, uh, with your boss. Um, and, and you don't think that, you know, you can, you can work with your boss. It's going to impact you outside of that environment as well. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a and, huge proponent yeah. of that. And Aubrey, let, me, let me just share with you, like this is for any young adult that might be interviewing for a job now, or even any senior people, right? right. Let me just walk them through quickly how we would prepare them at Rice Cohen, right? Okay. First thing we would tell someone, if you're taking the time to interview, you have one goal and one goal only to get the offer. Whether you accept the offer or not, that's up to you. Right. But I want you to be in control of that decision, not the firm you're interviewing with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Before you even take the time to interview, maybe you got a job description, maybe a recruiter called you, Aubrey, but you should be able, I, I, I asked them to take a sheet of paper. I say, tell me the reasons why you're willing to spend an hour interviewing with this firm. What's attracting you? Right. Yeah. Now, sometimes candidates might say to you, well, there's nothing really different, but I'm I'm unhappy and I'm looking to make a move. Well, in the executive search business, that's information we needed to have. Right. But hopefully someone comes back and says, you know, I looked on the company's website. I read about them. I Googled them. And, you know, there's a couple of things about this firm in this role that's really appealing to me. Right. I call that the reasons why. After the first interview, they should be able to say, did those reasons hold true? Did any new reasons surface that increased my interest? Now, mm -hmm. equally, on the other side of that sheet of paper, Audrey, they should be able to say, what questions do I still need to have answered? You know, are, are there any concerns I need to have addressed? Right. So I have the information I need to make the best decision for me and my family. And then every single interview, 
they should be adding to that reasons why list, right? So at the yeah. end of that interviewing process, they should have 12, 13, 14 reasons. And if the only reason is financial, do not take the job. Because <laughs> right. if someone comes along and offers you a dollar more, you're going to leave, right? Yeah, so yeah. There should be real reasons, right? And, yeah. and the questions should be addressed. Now, once you get the offer, then you're in control as a candidate. And that's when I want all the questions answered and I want all the tough questions asked. But I want them to have, I want them to go into every interview and debrief with themselves after every interview. What are the reasons why I'm still intrigued enough that I'm willing to go to another interview? What's attracting me about this company and this role, right? Yeah. And they should be building on that. And by the time it's over, they should have a pretty good feeling. Is this the right place for them? Gotcha. Yeah. But you got to reflect. You got to reflect and you got to record it and you got to write it down or put it into your computer, you know, your notes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Makes a lot of sense. So yeah. let's go ahead and pivot uh, to uh, your book specifically. Um, if you can share some insights with the listeners um, without selling the farm, so to speak, on um, just some of the ways that uh, the reader of the book can benefit in their personal life. We've talked at length about professional life and how to equip yourself and what the book provides to equip yourself to be that grandmaster. But the grandmaster from a personal life perspective, what are some of the benefits uh, in reading the book that can uh, bring the reader? Okay. I'm going to tell you about three emails I've gotten from the book from three different parts of the country, Aubrey, in the last month, right? Mm -hmm. There is a chapter in the book called Talk to the Oldest Person in the Room, okay? Mm -hmm. And this young man out of New York City, he's a lawyer, and he had put in a 14-hour day, and he had just read the book. And he said, after the day, I, I went into a restaurant just to get a bite to eat before I went home. And I was eating there by myself. Mm -hmm. And I looked up, and at the bar was an older man drinking a drink by himself. Mm -hmm. So I just read your book about talk to the oldest person in the room and what you can get out of it. And I think a lot of young people would talk to the oldest person in the room, but they don't know the questions to ask. Yeah. So, so in that chapter, it breaks down the types of question they, sh they should ask. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go up to the, that bar before I go home. and I'm going to ask him some of those questions from the book. <laughs> and the young man said two and a half hours later, he left there and it was one of the best nights of his life. Mm. And the gentleman that he was talking to ended up being uh, a retired ex-senior writer from the Johnny Carson show. Oh, wow. And he said the information he shared with me, he goes, I never, ever would have asked or even went up to that person. But I had read that chapter and I yeah. wanted to see if, if it really worked. Yeah. So, you know, something like that made me feel like, OK, that's why I wrote the book. Right. There's another chapter in the book under health and relationships, Aubrey, which says, marry the right person, right? And I walked them through, and my wife and I, it's the greatest accomplishment in my life, Aubrey, mm -hmm. is my 38-year marriage, right? And the things mm -hmm. that my wife and I discussed before we got married, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how we evaluated that our values and our foundation were similar, right? Right. And uh, a young man read that chapter out of Seattle, Washington, and sent me an email. And he said, you know, I've been living with a young lady for almost three years now. 
And there's been a lot of pressure to get married. I didn't know if she was the right one. But after reading that chapter and reading the things you talked about, I made the, I made the decision that she's not the right one and I need to be fair with her and I'll be moving out. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And listen, yeah. our divorce rate in our country is almost 50%, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot more that needs to go into that decision. Cause I really believe that 95% of your happiness or unhappiness will come as a result of that decision. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So in talking about what your readers can get out of the book, you know, there's a lot of different things. There's 68 tips, right? Yeah. And uh, it starts with life, right? It starts with life. It goes to job search. It goes to career. It goes to personal finance. The things that I've done to, to acquire great wealth in my life and all the mistakes I've made, mm-hmm. you know, that they can learn from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes on to health and, and, and relationships. So it covers the whole thing. The last chapter in the book is the importance of creating a will, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most young people don't don't think of that, but it goes into the reasons why they might want to. You know. Yeah, it sounds almost it sounds uh, almost like a, a life chronological order type uh, written yes. book. Yeah. yeah, and and there's a chapter in the book about the importance of giving back. Yes, and young people. And I don't know if I told you this, Aubrey, but, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is, is you know, my wife and I started the charity in 2008. Mm-hmm. And the charity is called the Plant a Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation. Mm-hmm. And People Magazine did a full page story on the charity. Uh, it takes underserved youths whose families are having a hard time financially, whose uh, the age is between 10 and 18, where the young person has a passion, but there's no there's no money to encourage or support the passion. Mm -hmm. And that passion could be anything from sports related to dance, to cheering, to singing, to drum lessons, to coding, to you name it. Uh, We step in and uh, we will find them that sensei, that guitar teacher, that, that cheer teacher. We put them together. We give them an annual scholarship. We interview the family and we interview the, the trainer. Mm-hmm. We touch base with them every single month. Uh, and every year we meet with them again and we renew the scholarship. So we've helped over 800 kids uh, this week. 47 different kids are going out to activities on the Planet Seed Inspire Dream Foundation. And Aubrey, any financial rewards that I get from this book are being donated directly from the publisher to the charity to help more kids. So... Wow. If someone buys the book, they're also making, I think, a contribution to a great charity to help some underserved youth. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, Gene. And uh, really, really must commend you and your wife for, um, for, for just pouring your heart out to, to, to build uh, such, such uh, an organization to, 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 help, to help disadvantaged youth, right? Um, plant a seed, inspire a dream. Um, and a lot of effort goes behind uh, standing that up, I'm sure. So um, once again, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and um, you know, I, I truly commend y- you and your wife for, for, for that uh, organization. Well, I, want to share with you, I want to share with your audience. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have gotten so much more out of this charity than we've given, Aubrey. And, mm. and that's the point. Yeah. If it doesn't, you, you don't need money, time, right? What young people don't realize, they might have heard it, that you get so much more than you give. 
I'm yeah. telling them in reality, just go find a charity that they believe in, mm-hmm. donate some time to it, and watch the results it has for them personally and how they'll feel from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I hear you loud and clear, Gene, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing some common themes, uh, like for instance, uh, between the uh, charity and say finding a career. Yeah. Um, find your passion, right? So, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, you know, find something you love doing and find a way to make a make a living from it. Okay, that's that's passion about your profession, your work what puts food on the table and it doesn't feel like work then. Right. And then, as you just mentioned, finding your passion, what you're passionate about um, when it comes to giving back, when it comes to uh, a charity organization, right? Whether it's participating in one or starting one yourself, find your passion. So I, I there's a recurring theme there that, that I, I, I truly appreciate from you. And, uh, and, 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 and I know it's genuine because uh, you're applying these same principles, right? Same goes for what you mentioned earlier, uh, very early in our conversation, you, uh, on the professional side, you urge the young listeners to um, reach out to those senior executives and, and ask those questions, you know, um, how can I position myself for success, um, you know, and, 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 and just connect with them. Right. Uh, and then when we talked about the uh, personal uh, benefits from reading the book, uh, you talked about the gentleman who asked the oldest person in the room, <laughs> you know, and the conversation that he had with this gentleman who happened to be a writer for Johnny Carson. So, uh, again, another recurring theme, right? Uh, reaching out to our elders, whether it's in a personal setting or a professional setting. So, uh, I, uh, those are true absolute bona fide uh, insights, Gene, that I can't thank you enough for sharing with the listeners um, because I know that will resonate with them in their development. So thank you again for sharing that, sir. No problem at all, Aubrey. All right. So how can the listeners connect with you, maybe learn more about your firm, the great work you're doing, and and maybe even pick up a copy of your book, Gene? Well, first of all, for me personally, Gene Rice, go on LinkedIn. I will accept you know, all invitations to connect. You can send me a message. You can go on our website, grad2grownup, G-R-A-D-T-O, grownup.com. You can contact me there. The book you can purchase from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target. It's it's all over the place that you can get. Uh, and, uh, you know, the one thing I, I, I do want to share with, you know, the last thing I want to give to your audience, and this is something that young people don't think about, but in my own life, Aubrey, the last message I want to leave with them is I want to encourage them to create a life of gratitude, right? And what yes. does that mean? And people don't understand how hard it is, right? Mm-hmm. It, but it can be as easy as this. What does it mean? At night, when you put your head on the pillow, just recall three things that happened that day that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And they can be as simple as the lunch you had, mm-hmm. the TV show that you watch, that the sun came out today. Mm-hmm. And if you do that every single day, okay, I promise you there'll be days when you're going to say five, six, or seven things. Mm-hmm. You're going to wake up and look at life a little differently, right? You're going to start looking at things from a positive point of view, not a negative point of view. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We all know, we all have friends, right? We all have friends. How much more enjoyable is it to be with somebody that looks at the glass half full, right? Absolutely. <laughs> then it is someone who looks at the glass half empty. You know, <laughs> there's a chapter in the book, I, I have it, you know, are you an Eeyore or a Tigger? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh-huh. encourage them to try to create that life of gratitude and to share that with their loved ones because it can make, it's made a major difference in my life and my family's life. Beautiful. A life of gratitude. Lay your head down at night. Ask yourself or tell yourself three things that you were thankful for for that day. Um, And, you know, as the old adage goes, they say if you do something for two or three weeks, it becomes habit. And uh, and 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 then I guess uh, genuinely, organically, it just uh, a a change comes across as far as your mindset and your way of thinking. So. Uh, Gene, that's a, that's an incredible insight for the listeners. Again, thank you for that. Um, that's something that I truly, guys, listeners, please take this to heart. Take this to heart. Having a mind for gratitude and uh, and and looking for those three things that you are grateful for each night as you lay your head down. Over time, you will have a different outlook on life completely transformative uh and uh, for the better so uh gene i want to thank you again for that insight gene i want to thank you for this great conversation and for coming on the show please please let's stay in touch i would love to have you on the show uh six eight months down the line for any updates for the listeners by then yeah i would love to whatever i can do Aubrey. i'd love to come back oh thank you so much gene and i want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening and look if you know someone who's um, who appears to be down and out, um, going through some some tough times, um, you know, really going through some struggles, not quite sure where to turn or who to turn to, I humbly ask that you please share this show with them because on the road to rediscovery, there are two things we want our listeners to know. Number one, you're not alone, and number two, there is always hope. The road to rediscovery, it's a movement, a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. We're all roadies on this journey of life. And it sure feels good having you on the road with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Road to Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have. The Roads Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.